two movies and shit. Now listen, let's do a little housekeeping first, Max, if we can. Yeah, okay. All right. One, movies and shit may not be long for this world in terms of getting on to syndicated posts. Apparently shit's yeah. a real hot button. We yeah, we've been running into some issues just promoting these posts um via Facebook. They're like, hey, you can't do that because it has the word shit in it. You know, grandmas and little kids will get offended. Fuck them. That's it my literally said that to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, this world isn't meant for the grandmas and, and little kids. Like, fuck right? them. They we had their build time. this country. <laughs> what if the, the secret origin story of America was like, dude, built exclusively on child labor? Like, we thought Asians and grandmas, we slaves, but fucking kids and grandmas, man. <laughs> Those two demographics, everything. shockingly good at construction. <laughs> they never get the credit they deserve, man. They built the infrastructure of this goddamn oh, nation. This <laughs> is already turning into a where's my burrito. Um, All right, you're right, you're right. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me get it back on track. Uh, so l- the point is movies and shit will still exist in a different form, a different name. We haven't quite settled on that name. We're going to unveil it by next week because we don't want to get too far into the weeds without changing the name. Yeah. But I want to say this, that we, we, we teased it last week. Uh, we, we're going to be doing um a official movies and shit where we actually tackle two different films we're going to release that tomorrow we have another episode of the illuminati finally i know you people have been clamoring for it another where's my burrito we're going to do obviously game of thrones now it's what you're listening to and max if time permits we're looking at uh, infinity war end game compare and contrast this week yeah yeah we are looking to do a little uh I'm not going to call it a mini review, a full-fledged like compare and contrast deep dive review on Infinity War, Endgame, what we think of both of them and what we think of them in comparison to each other. Right. So, so get that kind of James excited, kind Cameron, of dreading that at the same time. Yeah. Get that James be. Cameron submarine shit. We're deep diving on some stupid. I read this thing today that was like James Cameron, and I promise we'll get on with Game of Thrones right after this complaint. Okay. <laughs> I read this thing that was James Cameron had him like with fucking sunglasses doing like the Tom Cruise, like the little, you know what I'm talking about? Oh God, yeah, Uh, I've seen this. Have you seen it? And he's just like, James Cameron directed two of the highest grossing films of all time. And he didn't need the media or 20 other films to, to do it. And I'd be like, listen, but like other Titanic is secretly lit, secretly lit. Okay. But Avatar. That's one of my biggest guilty pleasure movies is Titanic. Secretly Um, lit. I kind of fucking love it. It's James Cameron shot that whole film, secretly lit the whole goddamn thing. Okay, <laughs> there's not a there's not an authorized light in that whole production. Man. <laughs> anyway, with that, I'm done. Game of Thrones. Let's jump yeah. into it, man. So, listen. Last week we had the Battle of Winterfell. I had some feelings about it. You were a little bit more kind about it. Before we get into this episode, which was entitled "The Last of the Starks," uh, I'm going to tell you that last week was the week that broke me. You were watching that episode already operating where I now am. That's the difference. That's why you were able to dig that a little bit. Um, It's weird because it's like, it's me admitting that the show has completely fallen from grace, but at the same time, like it's unshackled me, man. The manacles are fucking yeah. off. Now I can you, just love this. You feel trash. like you can enjoy like, it a little bit. Well, I was like thinking about like your, can I be honest? I was thinking about your mom. Your mom has been watching the same soap opera on and off since she was like 12 years old, man. Yeah. And she's general, never general hospital. Never gotten off of it. Never because you know what? When it's smut, when it's when it's not meant to be anything but like guilty pleasure. Yeah, it's it's something you watch while you're folding laundry and like paying your bills. <laughs> well, she, she, you... she's been doing that for a long while, man. And my point yeah. is this: I finally reached my general hospital phase with Game of Thrones. I'm just like, <laughs> it's over. Like whatever. Like this was yeah. never going to be. I think I told you it just broke my heart that I was really anticipating that this show might return free for the briefest of moments to its former glory, only to right. be really disappointed. But again, going into this episode, I'm going to ask your initial impressions uh, of the last of the Starks. 
Um, I thought it was a very disjointed episode. It was structured very strangely. And like for really, it's not the first time this season, but it definitely like was felt more for me in this episode than any other episode so far that the compressed uh, structure of these seasons is really to the detriment of the show. Because this felt like two or three episodes worth of plot sort of crammed together at weird intervals. Like right. we have this sort of like long drawn out drinking games post uh, battle kind of episode going on. And then there's this jarring thing where immediately we're on our way back to King's Landing and there's this attack and we set up all this shit with Cersei all of a sudden and Sande dies, spoiler alert. Um, Beyond plotting, I, I just the idea of a confrontation so quickly after last week's confrontation. This is a show that would give you these moments, and then like, all right, reset, motherfuckers, go to your corners. Let's yeah, let's regroup. Everybody them. like licks their wounds and they talk right. about shit and what they want out of a situation and what they get out of that situation is always different. But there's right. time that's spent building up to it. This like again, this is not the show that it once was, but at the very least, I think the reason season six didn't suffer as much. Um, as season seven did is because they also had all those extra um, you know episodes to kind of build up these things and draw things out a little bit for sure I don't know if that makes sense no it makes perfect sense I mean like who to thunk it you give them some more time to tell the story it works out really well and again I you know before we actually jump into the specifics it's very interesting because I think a lot of fans are blaming HBO for this I was on my double toasted gig yesterday I was talking to our boy our our good friend I love him Carlos you sweetheart I adore you but Carlos uh, was feeling some kind of way about it and seemed to be laying the blame for the shorter episodes counts on HBO. And I'm like, no, no. it's well known that Dan and, and DB were like, I want out. <laughs> like we got, this is all we're going right. to do. So, I mean, I think it's an important thing to know that it's like, this isn't the network. I mean, obviously it's making higher ratings than it's ever made before. They would love to keep this shit going in its yeah. regular form now. You know what I mean? Like how many subscribers have they gotten for HBO now or HBO, whatever, Exclusively like just, because of the show, just because of the show right. and how many are they going to lose once the show ends? Can I yeah. tell you something? And then we'll go into the specifics. If that's the legacy of game of Thrones, I'm actually fine with it. If it can get a new generation of people, right. Cause there's like, like, I hate to say this, like we're, we're approaching old, like we're 29, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and so like we came in on the cusp of, of, the uh the sopranos the wire like it was a couple years before us we had to catch up afterwards for sure but we were still like around where we knew it subconsciously now you have all these shows these new kids who are like 17 18 who are just learning about storytelling and tv if they can come for the game of thrones if they'll get a hbo uh now uh subscription for game of thrones but people are staying for the deadwood for the sopranos for the wires six feet under even that's a that's a good trade-off that's a good legacy to have man you're the gateway drug to better hbo shows yeah, yeah, that, that's not bad. Um, but I do think that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to just cancel their fucking subscriptions. Like, if hopefully there is a percentage of people that move on to other, you know, greener HBO pastures after right. this. But I think the majority average Joe consumer is just going to be like, all right, cancel it. Show's done. I, I think you're underestimating people's ability to find out how to cancel anything. Do you know how many things I'm subscribed to just because I'm too lazy to figure out how to cancel? I'm like, fuck it. It's only $7, whatever. Like, I don't need it. There's like a big flashing light. Cancel your subscription. You're like, yeah. I can't find it. I don't no, know where that is. <laughs> uh, all right. So with that, man, enough fucking around. It's the longest intro ever. I'm sorry. I really shouldn't have started drinking so early. Anyway, so the point is this. Uh, mm. Let's get on with the episode. The episode begins with a semi-emotional moment. I, I was going to give credit where credit's due if anything else kid harrington as an actor has really really come along hasn't he you know like there was a time where he would never 
ever be able to, to deliver that speech he had to give yeah. at the beginning of the episode. And their like will never be seen again. That, that one, that speech. Um, <laughs> well, when you do it in that fucking voice, uh, yeah, everything <laughs> sounds stupid. <laughs> well, I'm just, again, like think about who he was in season one. Oh, no, man. no, like, I, I 100% agree. Like he's at least leaned into his strengths as an actor. Like he knows like, and it's usually just in that sort of, like he, he's kind of started playing Jon Snow as this sort of well-intentioned dim bulb who keeps failing upwards. And on that level, he's fucking great at it. Right. But there is a line later in the episode where, um, who is it? I think it's, is it Varys or something? I'm really tired and I can't remember. But somebody says, like, people are drawn to him. Varys and it's it, like, yeah. uh, I, are they? <laughs> <laughs> well, they really try to ham that up. You had Tormund going around. I mean, so let me, let me just jump into the, the plot details of it. They have this, like, funeral dirge. He gives some great speech. And then afterwards, we have, like, this really weird party i guess it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a celebration i guess it, it's supposed to be more of a remembrance in a way but very quickly right. it becomes a party but throughout that entire scene you see all the men doting on john you have Tormund be like who's man enough that he would befriend an enemy and die for him you know what i mean like going mm-hmm. into all that shit and so they really try to give him the the uh benefit of the doubt that like yeah i mean look he unified the like you know, the crows and the white we have to really talk about this again the crows and the free folk like thousands of years of animosity okay yeah. like, like like the fact that Jon Snow was able to go in there gain the respect of the king beyond the wall torment a bunch of the other people then stick his own neck on the line for them when it wasn't a good thing to do it I want to give credit where credit's due credit where credit is due but that was just through sheer force of will and luck it wasn't <laughs> through like the magnetism of his charisma or his right. leadership skills it was just because he's good at swinging a sword right Oh, he's like, and Rudy. he's also borderline <laughs> suicidal. And they're like, I like he just, this guy. He's got more want in his heart than anyone else. That's the difference. He wants it more. The people can see that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, but all right, fine. I guess that's fine. You're right. But I think that's different because it's season four through six. Jon Snow felt like a different character than kind of who he is now. I think you're right. Like he's yeah. full, he's gone full. Like I'm dumb, but I've got a good heart. He's almost like Westerosi Forrest Gump. Like if you think yeah. about it, like, yeah. Like how many times he really is. It's true. He's just like there for all the <laughs> important historical the shit meets like, five presidents, runs across the country, almost dies a few times. Has a friend in a wheelchair. Oh, Bran. Right. Yo. Starts a, starts a company maybe at some point. Maybe that's going to happen in the last episode. He's like, right. I, I don't want to be king. I'm just going to start a shrimping company. Where? Like beyond the wall. There's no ice. There's no fucking shrimp beyond the wall, John. But somehow he fails upwards into that. He finds some. You gotta give it to him. He's got a candy. This is going off the rails, this review. Um yeah, so anyways, there's this fucking like dinner uh celebration scene, and it's really like serving a couple purposes, right? It's showing John sort of like like you said, people rallying around him and like people, you know, kind of embracing each other and like pod is about to have like a three-way or something and like uh they're playing drinking games and then danny is off by herself clearly isolated she's in a room surrounded by people but she's completely alone um and they really continue to drive that home throughout this episode that she's just this stranger in a strange land Maybe it's um, that Starbucks cup thing, man. I'm sure you've seen maybe. that already. You think right? she was a little too wired and she was well, getting paranoid? I, I think the opposite. I think people just, they're really about like the anti-gentrification of Westeros. And they're like, a Starbucks in the neighborhood, really? You brought this shit yeah, with the, you, man. This foreign queen coming in with her fucking corporations. 
I'm telling I just, that's my estimation. I know they didn't say it, but I think subtext is everything. Mm. Um, but in, in that scene, you're right. It does serve a couple different purposes. It gives you a couple character moments that are fun, if not like well, all together earned, I guess. Yeah. Like, well, there is that one really off putting, at least I found this off putting where Sansa sits down with the hound and she basically says that as a result of her being raped repeatedly, she's right. the person she is now. Yes. Okay, can I tell you that I will have to bring Dolores on to corroborate this because this is not me white knighting or something. I mm. said literally the same thing, but I stole the red letter media's no one's ever really gone. <laughs> like, like, you know, I did. I was like, oh, what's the rape was worth it. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, because for me, it's just like, God damn you. Like, what a fucking male-centric thing to say. I bet you that she right. would not care to be who she is today because she probably still could have got there without the whole rape of it all. You know what I mean? Which is a little... A little fucking insulting. I didn't really like that scene. And I know that they're trying to play on the the hound of it all, but like the hound scene is even weird too, where he's like, Well, you could have came with me, like, and none of this would have happened, you know? And it's Right. Just, and he's like, Oh, you're not the same little bird anymore, whatever he says. And she's yeah. like, Well, I was raped a lot and now I'm better. Um, because because I was raped, I'm not a little bird. But like, yeah, and it's wrong it's thing just, to take away from this scene. Man. I get what they're going for because they've been doing this all season, like with especially with Brand talking to people, like uh, talking to Jamie. Like if you hadn't pushed me out of that window, you and I wouldn't be the people we are today. Theon, same. Theon, thing. if you hadn't killed those kids, you wouldn't be here to protect me today. You wouldn't, right. man. You are without a dong um, who's going to sacrifice himself. Sure fine um and they're continuing this trend here i just don't fully buy it and it just seemed like really strange especially given this show's history with how it handles rape right in general yeah um not got the best track record you know doesn't you know but whatever it's not the biggest part of the episode so also another big part is brienne uh and jamie hooking up how'd you feel about that Ooh, I, I you know please i hope you have a different opinion than me because i would like to actually talk about it uh hmm. but i i'm we're, we're like 90 percent the same so i assume we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> I, I had a real problem with it not yeah. for any reason like morally, like I'm not, I'm not fighting for her virtue necessarily, but I, but I am annoyed by it because it was the most beautiful relationship that never got fucked up with the physical wreck of sexuality. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was purely fucking admiration and respect and honor bound. And for me, like it just, it complicates all of it. Also, I just kind of hate the idea that he like, he's straight up like, what's that episode of Buffy where, where Angel like fucks her and then won't like he's like you're a good kid like you know what i mean like really kind of yeah. degrades her afterwards yeah where and he like just... loses his soul and becomes a fucking evil bastard and it's like <laughs> there was a whole yeah soul yeah. taking the, <laughs> subplot yeah what, watch buffy by the way uh no well, you know but what i'm it, saying it's just every yeah. jock who's playing on that shitty. that yeah that whole fucking trope of like you know the dude who's really nice until he you know sleeps with the girl and then he turns into a prick and it's exactly what happens with jamie kind of I, I think I think it was a whole get out of here like you know throw a rock yeah. situation thing more than anything else. But it still it didn't ring as true as it could have, and it also makes me mad because like I know that we we know like we've been watching this, we've been calling this for a while. Like Jamie's ultimate fate absolutely has a lot to do with him. I th in my opinion, killing Cersei. Like that's how his story has to end. So we know that he has to get there. That's fine. I just right. don't know if it had to be at this expense of one breaking this milestone in the show, right? This actual physical contact, this, this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not celibate, uh, where it's, there's no physical contact at all, man. I'm oh, fucking uh, this up. platonic platonic. Thank you, sir. God yeah. damn it. This vodka just kills my vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. It's a platonic love into this thing. That's now more sexualized. And then it kind of just kills the character moment for me, man. 
Yeah, I agree. And again, this isn't like in an effort to white knight, but like you look at Brienne and chart her character arc throughout the series, and even in the the David and Dan post game, like post uh, Martin part of the show, they've always treated Brienne with respect. Um, I would say, like they've they've done her justice. I think up to a point, like they've spent a lot of time. Um, showing that she is someone to be respected, that she's, you know, a capable warrior, that she can do anything a man can do. Um, and Jamie's respect for her, um, like, grows over the course of the series, but it's a professional respect. When he knights her, I didn't get the sense that that was coming from a place of, like, oh, well, like, I want to bang you. It was, like, a place of, oh, I respect you. Oh, I think that, like, you deserve this. I it's going to be a weird comparison. It, it is slightly more sexualized than Ron Swanson and Leslie Nope, but not by much. Yeah. In as much that it is this beautiful fucking friendship relationship. It's clearly not just friends, but it's not it's not anything sexual. It's not it's nothing romantic, but it just exists in a deeper place than most friendships right. will. It's it's that Ron and Leslie, Don and Peggy almost a little bit. Sure. Um yeah, yeah, like just that and like those shows never took it to that place and they were all the better well, for it. Can you fucking imagine if either of those shows would have? I mean, it just changes everything that makes that show so right. beautiful. And and it's like on a logical level I understand like post battle like you know, emotions are running high, everybody's had a little bit to drink, things happen or whatever but then for him to leave in the way that he does it's just like you just see Brienne's heart get broken for right. no real reason like he doesn't even do her the courtesy of explaining right. himself past I'm a bad man which again we're still stuck in the fucking feast man there's so much to talk about in this episode which I want like, yeah. very quickly let's talk about Gendry Gendry is trying to stroll out looking for Arya because mm. you know he's like a puss hound now apparently like I don't right. like, that's the one scene I actually did like was the hound calling him out <laughs> like fuck you I, yeah I actually <laughs> did that and, and, it, and it works in in this era of the writing of the show because I've talked before especially in this episode like it was really hitting me like just how blunt and unnuanced the dialogue is but it works for a character like the hound because he's supposed to be blunt and not nuanced is like shut up you twat you want to you want to fuck a <laughs> quit your engine yeah i mean he's he's yeah. like great and it works in that regard and that's like the scene that per immediately uh follows that um with aria and gendry i do want to get to but i mm -hmm. think let's let's not skip over the fact that gendry is recognized he's, as a baratheon number one yeah, he's gendry baratheon now lord of storm's end man kind of a well, big fucking deal Assuming that Daenerys takes the throne, and that, you know, <laughs> there's that, that caveat which we did. Right? <laughs> did did that uh, that that seemed like a very kind of craven, strategical decision on her part? Um, like the whole making him a Baratheon thing. It didn't seem like a real emotional, like he deserves this thing. I don't know. How, how did you read yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they did enough legwork, but like, let me do the heavy lifting for them since they're not able to do that anymore. Like back in the day, and I hate to be that guy, back in my day, Game of Thrones did all the legwork for its characters. But, you know, like, let me do the let me do the heavy lifting for them, which is like, he forged all the weapons for this war, and ultimately those weapons didn't necessarily make a difference, but they helped them a little bit, certainly. It was the intention you know right. so I, i'm sitting there just being like look he created weapons for him i get that he is a you know for someone who i thought was gonna be very important to the story who ended up being relegated to the sidelines this was his more integral moment to the story so I, I get it from that perspective. I also get the idea that she's trying to create allies for herself. I think it's Varys who says that too. Is it yeah. Varys? Yeah. I think so. So, you know, I mean, I get that. I think that's great for him. <clears throat> also, he reminds me a little bit of Jon Snow in the reluctant leader thing. Like he mm -hmm. 
doesn't necessarily want it, which I think will make him a good ruler, to be honest. Right. Uh, being from Flea's Bottom, I think will be good. But this takes me to the next scene that I want to talk about. We can jump back to the party because uh, all the things happen after the party anyway. But um, he goes and he finds Arya, who, <laughs> the fucking psychopath that she is, can't even enjoy a victory against the undead. She took out fucking Michael Jordan in his prime, okay? And, like, did, did, isn't celebrating. She's like, let me just shoot some fucking arrows, man. I know she's like, mm-hmm. I am celebrating, but... She's just a psychopath. She wants to kill people. She's crazy. Um, he finds her over there. He like tells her the good news. Like, yo, what's up? My name's Gendry Baratheon. <laughs> like, and yeah. uh, I want you to be my lady. Which, pause. Fork in the road for Game of Thrones writing. Not saying this was a great scene because it wasn't. It did the exact same thing it's been doing for this entire season of like, hey, let's quote the thing that we talked about already. <laughs> like, right. there's an idea. And I want to be fair. There are a lot of shows that do circular writing that we will get back to a point that was made early on. That's, that's absolutely fine. When you rely on that to advance your scenes, like that's mm-hmm. the problem. And that's what the season of Game of Thrones has been doing. So I'm sitting here being like, fuck me. Are they going to like marry these two off? We're going to have the King Robert prediction, right? From the beginning, like, oh, we'll join our houses. Or are they going to stay true to the fucking Arya season one, episode four, I believe, uh, where like, you'll be a lady, you'll marry a lord, and and that's not me. I'm not a lady. Right. Uh, so look, while I'm very pleased that they did not go down the former, right, they, they did the, the latter instead, I still like, is there any other way to fucking write these scenes without having to straight up quote yourself? Like, I wish that the actors were just doing, as I said, and then they do air quotes around their own dialogue because <laughs> like, it's just like, it's painful. It's painful. Anyone who's watching the show to be like, yeah, I mean, if, when I can write the show, it's a problem. I call myself a writer, but I don't think I'm as good as these guys, generally speaking. And then you see that, and I'm like, I shouldn't be able to write Game of Thrones, man. Because yeah, <laughs> all you got to do is just find the dialogue from before, or go back in your dialogue fucking catalog or whatever. This is how they wrote just the Saw franchise, it. bro. They would take a scene that you thought you knew what happened, and then they would recontextualize it. like, that. oh, they were actually working for Jigsaw the whole time. Right, exactly. This is, this is the backwards. Like, Game of Thrones is operating at about a Saw level. <laughs> Let's just be real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean in one hand i'm glad that they avoided the the super fan service of, of combining the houses at the same time i wish they could have found a more articulate way to do that and i'm yeah. saying all of this to bring us to the point that aria is now leaving town the hound is leaving town this is really a, a an episode of people leaving yeah yeah um aria and the hound run into each other and they're like riding on the king's road together or whatever and it was kind of a nice little yeah. thing some part of you had to be like yo season yeah four fire, especially when he's like you're gonna leave me for dead again and she's like probably and then he like kind of <laughs> smiles at it and whatever and it's like okay these two yeah. were fucking made for each other i love it right i told you it's my favorite pairing i love that pairing so much and that's why yeah. i'm so so attached to them and you know i may very well get the thing i wanted later you know what i mean like i I said I wanted the Battle of Winterfell, like when he comes to when he sees Arya and she's being fucking chased. That that look, I'm like, holy shit, that's what I've wanted the whole season. It's something mm-hmm. to feel like I felt there. Now they're going to King's Landing. I want to ask you uh, what you think that means a little bit later in the show when we get to predictions. But you know, they're off on the road together. Jamie's also heading to to King's Landing. You have a lot of people heading over there. You also have Tormund going uh, north of the wall. You know, it's it's weird. Is it weird to you that you thought that Tormund would just keep fighting with John, like uh, for this next war? Because I kind of was freaked out by that. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, just him leaving. I kind of, I kind of buy it actually. Like it makes sense. Like there's no reason for them not to be in the north, and that is their home, and they don't kneel or whatever. Usually, they have only ever like kind of knelt for John, if right. anybody. 
Um, so on that level, yeah, like it, it tracks with what we've seen before. I didn't really call it, but I've kind of, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm not like making any predictions or calling anything because it's just like I just again I just want it to be fucking over. I don't care. I don't care anymore. <laughs> like to, to guess would mean I would have to admit yeah. that I care about this fucking. Exactly. Thing. It's like I'm putting thought into this and like whatever I guess will probably and I'm not like patting myself on the back. It'll probably be more interesting than whatever the show is gonna do. Right. It's probably just gonna be some boring bullshit like it has been this whole season but i do want to call out this scene and i I wrote this to you before um when john is like leaving and torment is leaving they're parting ways or whatever he gives him ghost and uh he does not even say goodbye to his own fucking dog bro i don't want to be that guy but the 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 dire wolves and the starks are intrinsically linked right Mm. he ain't a stark bro you know what I mean? Like whatever that that otherworldly bond may be, which is the, the Stark's bloodlines, right? The direwolf sigil and, and all that. He's a fucking Targaryen. So maybe he never had, like he likes Ghost. He thinks he's a good puppy. You know, he's not like, that's a part of my soul. You know what I mean? I mean, that dog has saved his life. I agree. No, that, that fucking dog literally last week went into battle, <laughs> was never resolved, should have been killed. Like, I just right. Do you remember when, who was it? Uh, Brand, who's Brand's direwolf? What was th- that fucking dog's name? Summer. Summer. Okay. Summer decides, hey, I'm going to go fight some whites and dies immediately. Like, yeah. That's my problem with it was the fact that they just let go saunter back into battle. After. Yeah. This show like does not. Uh... Yeah. It's um, I, I don't know. Like, could he at least like he, he gives the dog the slightest of nods. Could he not have at least like pet him on the head and like, right. I'll be a good boy for Tormund boy or whatever. I don't that's know. Like so- something. Say like, hey, goodbye, you little bitch. Uh, like anything, any amount any of interaction. <laughs> yeah, because like the show just has made it so painfully clear they're not interested in spending money on direwolves anymore. Right. Um, like they're, they're perfunctory. Ah, those dragons, man. The direwolves were kind of like the big sell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If I'm in the direwolf fucking like union. I am. I am so upset because. I mean, I'm saying, dude. Like, you remember that shot when like fucking Rob um is standing over Jamie and he's got the direwolf with yeah. him and everything, and it's like so imposing and cool. I think I've told you this, man. I think I I I liked Game of Thrones, but wasn't sold until that wolf ate that motherfucker who was trying to kill Bran in the in the second episode. Like for me, the dire wolf sold the show for me. Right. Uh, and it's sad that they're relegated to secondary status. I did say this very quickly, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I was thinking about this compared to Lord of the Rings. Martin has always said how much he adores uh, Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And if you remember at the end of Lord of the Rings, like magic is gone. Frodo goes west. Like the, the passing of this era is no longer. Uh, and I think that it's weird that. Think about, like, the whites are gone. You know what I mean? Like, Ghost is going above the north and shit like that. Like, they've really been working their way through the magical mm-hmm. elements of the no, show. No, Sandra's dead. Sandra's gone. And so I think it might be an interesting thing. Like, yeah, the, the, cost of, uh, the cost of the Game of Thrones, whoever wins, is the absence. Like, dragons are being killed. We got one left, man. Although there's this whole theory that next week they're the fucking stone dragons. I'm sure you've heard of this. Is this, like, in the books at all? All right, so apparently in Dragonstone, who would have thunk that there are stone dragons, like dragons that have been stuck there and encapsulated and encased. That's not a fucking word. Yeah, but but Masande at the end of this episode says fucking uh, Dracaris for nothing. I mean, (laughs) let's talk about Masande. I just want to do a quick exercise with you. Um, You you remember the Bechdel test, right? 
Do you know the rules of the Bechtel test off the top of your head? This is the female thing, right? I'm sorry. Please yes. refresh my memories. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm going to fuck up some of these rules. But the basic thing, this came from like a, a feminist uh, queer comic way back in the day. And it's become the standard for like kind of seeing in entertainment if um, a piece of art like uh, is respectful towards women in that like basically to pass the test, two women have to be in the same room talking to each other about something other than a man. And if that doesn't happen, then it fails the test. Um, in this show, I can barely remember any scenes where Masande isn't like just talking about Daenerys or being like contrasted with Daenerys or in the same room as Daenerys. Yeah, sometimes she's like hanging out with Grey Worm, but like what the fuck is her character? Like she fails like the Daenerys test for me. And the show has done almost nothing um, for either of those characters, Grey Worm or her, to define them past their relationship with each other and Daenerys. Um, so, yeah, like, no, her I mean, dying in this was, like, a fucking big nothing to me. Right. And I hate to say that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem. In a better show, we get that moment where they're... Uh, I just want to talk shit about this whole scene because, again, this is where Game of Thrones gets fucking sloppy and you're just like, okay. But, mm -hmm. but let's forgive all the sloppiness for a second. Let's just get to the Tyrion talking to Kyburn scene, which... By the way, Kyburn, good for you, man. You know, I thought you were just a regular bloke who was a little scientific, you know, ahead of your time. Oh, and yeah. you're just straight evil. Like, that's what I love oh. about you. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, way more evil in the books, by the way. Or they make it more explicit in the books. Okay. But uh, I, right. I've always liked Kyburn. I like him in the show, too. The actor that plays him is, like, finding that right note of, like, intelligent, but also, like, he's a ruthless bastard. Right. Yeah. Like it's the the fact that he's intelligent is horrifying because he also yeah. can be ruthless. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that scene's fine, but like I'm I'm sitting there with the scene where Tyrion is walking up and they're doing their war parlay, you know what I mean? I'm mm -hmm. Like, hey, send your send your generals, your commanders or whatever. Like, I'm fine with that. I'm sitting here being like, look, Tyrion has just been a useless fucking person in this show for about two years now. <laughs> like, yeah. like at least give him the benefit of being the emotional death that we the audience deserve, right? It's almost like db and dan were just like or david were just like hey fuck it like you know we didn't kill as many people last one we'll kill another person the next week and then people will feel the emotional impact but it wasn't a character you're right that has ever been anything other than a means for danny's own story to not even her arc by the way just for her right. story to develop like you know she's there and like the, i think the most agency she's ever had is she talked shit about her valerian once you know what i mean yeah. she was like you don't pronounce this shit right well, because um, like you, you, you compare and contrast it to like the, the council, the small council for Joffrey. And it's like every single person that sat on that council were there, like they were individuals that you understood on sure. their own, like without, you know, the fucking connection to the king. Um, whereas you look at Daenerys's small council and aside from Tyrion and Varys, like even Barristan Selmy really isn't given a whole lot of development. Um, fucking Jorah, his entire character is defined by his devotion to her. Um, Grey Worm, same thing. Masande, same thing. And it's like, to lose any of those characters, it's not that big of an impact. Sure. Um, and that's, I mean, that's why I didn't care about Jorah dying. Like, at yeah. all. At all. Because it's like, man, he would have done this years ago if he could have. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and it's like, he has a little bit more context. He's supposed to be tragic. I get it. But like, still, it's like, whatever. Right. I mean, and so that, that's my thing where she's like, again, sure. She's been there from the beginning. 
I get the emotional impact that it may have on Danny. I think the scene more than anything works for Grey Worm, but it still falls into the pitfall of like, but why do I care outside of Grey Worm? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. they never made, and even Grey Worm, like I, who I love and I wish they would have given more fucking story time yeah. to. But, but like, what is his character? He's sincere. That's it. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not yelling at you. I'm like saying the I actor think, is good, but like, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think that's like a misstep of the show. So when you're killing off these people, it's like like I almost wish they would have killed off Masande and Grey Worm last week because at least with the tandem of Jora and all these people, it would have been more of an emotional punch. Like, holy shit, dude, she lost like everybody that she mm-hmm. loves in one episode. I can buy that at least certainly more than I'm buying here. It's like Masande. I don't know. I that whole thing just didn't work for me in terms of filmmaking i want to point out that i did really like that whole execution of all of that scene i think it was actually really well filmed i loved how scary the mountain was in the background of all of those scenes because he's just blurry he's a blurry thing you can still see him and i'm just like the most horrifying thing in the world is just that they keep this same you know the two shot that i'm talking about right where she's in the foreground Mm. and then he's blurry in the background if he just moves towards her like yeah that's effective as fuck you know what i mean yeah and then also like the cutaway where it's like them on top of the wall and her falling down but it's out of focus or whatever and her head getting severed yeah that's the idea like we can we can separate the two things people like something can be well made and still be poorly written and i think Mm -hmm. that's that's the dichotomy that the show is walking like the last couple seasons is like definitely looks good all the time Uh, yeah it's not written with any logic and and we did go out of chronological order here um we should probably talk about them going back to dragonstone and everything and getting attacked by euron Greyjoy. right that precedes Um, everything and i i want to say this again take your storytelling hat off for a second this episode serves a couple purposes because we do get og game of thrones two people in a room talking big implications we'll get to that in a moment um we also get like the fun sad joyous moments right the somber little funeral party turns into like a fucking drunk uh, celebration party uh, but then you get this scene, which is kind of out of nowhere, but also it kind of makes me mad because Danny's flying around. Like, surely she can fucking see. Yeah, like, it's a clear day, and like she's on a fucking dragon. <laughs> you're talking about it like you're a pilot. How does Visibility see, is thirteen yeah, like, miles. And how does she not see an entire fleet of ships that see her well enough to right. fucking shoot down her dragon? <laughs> I don't get it. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and I'll say this again. Like we're talking about this is this is why I'm so shitty about the stone dragon theory. Mm. Because think about this. Like if you're going to introduce a bunch of dragons in the eleventh hour, why the fuck have I been watching or giving a shit about any individual dragon going down? Right. Like you have three nukes. That's what they are. Yeah. Effectively, they are the BFGs of the series. Man, you take out one, you're like, oh shit, the other side has one. Now we got two. Right. Now that one's gone. Now you're down to one dragon. Like you have one nuke left. I don't even think it's an advantage anymore. Like I'm looking at Cersei. She's got that shit mounted up. Like King's Landing is completely mounted up with those things. All of Euron's fucking fleet has those things as well. And I'm sitting here just being like, you neutralizes her dragon completely. Even if she had all three, it neutralizes the dragons, man. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to be real. So I'm sitting here just, you know, wondering why that scene, that scene applies in pure Hollywood. We need to have a third act chase scene sort of fucking logic, man, because we needed to have an action set piece. Uh, again, I did not expect the dragon to die there and that much. It subverted my expectations. I didn't think that that's how that was going to go down, but it's still another scene where you're just like, kind of head well, I mean, it's, it subverts your expectations because it's surprising and it's surprising because it comes out of fucking nowhere with no setup whatsoever. Right. And it's like, that's sort of like also the problem with Euron too is like in how the show handles him is every time he engages in combat, it's like he comes out of nowhere. He completely annihilates the 
enemy and then he like fucks off back to Cersei. And it's like, it's happened like three fucking times now. Like mm-hmm. how, how many Greyjoy ships are there left? He's destroyed so many. Um, right. But whatever, I, I don't know. Like he, he just comes in, he's basically like a plot mover more than a character. And uh, yeah. In this episode, at least implication wise, let's say that Cersei is saying that the kid is his, right? Which, by the way, it's so weird. People are still just like, this pregnancy isn't real. And am I crazy? Do you feel this way too? Or I think it's real. Right. I don't understand why everyone's going so fucking crazy on this. Like, it's not a real thing. People were even pointing to the Tyrion scene where he's trying to appeal to her and it looks like for a second she's going to break. Which, by the way, Lena Headey is amazing because you damn well know she ain't going to fucking break. Come on, man. She's kind of making this show watchable for me still. She has picked up the mantle for Charles Dance in a way I did not think would actually happen. Like, seriously, she's legitimizing entire portions of the show man right she, Which, she's basically like a, a low-key um fucking palpatine in the star wars prequels where she's like enjoying being evil so Dude, much by the way that is that a where's actually... my burrito topic if we record right <laughs> after this i just rewatched that movie at the gym the other day and holy shit man but yes you're right like like she's killing it like she has so much joy in playing someone so despicable yeah it's infectious man she does a little half smile shit and i'm like oh i love this woman (laughs) like at at this point like i can't believe i'm saying it i would rather watch her and kyburn and Bronn like fuck around and be evil than i would yeah dude i i want her to win i'm sorry (laughs) like i think she's earned it you know what i mean how much better would this season have been Oh, good. I was going to say quickly, you remember in the office where Andy and Dwight fight in the parking lot and then yeah. like uh, Andy just pins him <laughs> with the Prius? Mm-hmm. And I think it's Oscar. He's like, if you keep the Prius under five miles per hour, it doesn't make a sound. And he turns, he's like, he deserves the win. <laughs> like it's a fucking <laughs> judgment or something. And it's like, I'm sitting there being like, yeah, Cersei deserves the win. She's outwitted you at every, fu- she's taken all your advantages that made them disadvantages somehow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, also for some reason, again, Tyrion's IQ has dropped like by half. Um, right. And we do have this scene post attack, right? Where it's uh, Tyrion and Varys in the throne room at uh, Dragon. This is an interesting scene, Max. I'm really, I'm curious to hear this because at one part, uh, at, at one aspect of it, it heralds the return of the Game of Thrones that we love, which is just like, man, we've been too busy with these fucking wars of zombies and shit to just have people in a room talking to each other with political implications. This was, this was a nice throwback. Of course, I, and I said this on my other thing, I apologize to plagiarize myself, but like it would mean more to me if Tyrion, who was the best player of that game in the early seasons, wasn't a fuckboy who's relegated to like idiot status. You know what I'm saying? Like, Right. He just continues, and I don't understand why, to like compl- have just complete undying, well, maybe not complete faith, but like at least spoken faith to Daenerys. Like he's completely sworn to her in every way. And the show has never really like it. Like what has he seen Daenerys do to earn that kind of love and loyalty? Like why, why is he so attached to her? Like in the history of the show from the time that they've spent together, aside from her believing him, it's the spectacle. I do. I do. I really do. Because I think, I think even Vera says in this episode, like this is a woman who, (laughs) 
whose family was killed, who she walked into a fire with three stones and had three dragons. Like, I got to be real. Like, if that happened to me, I would think I'm Jesus, you know, dragon Jesus or something. Like, I really would. So I think she believes in the destiny of it all. And I think that Tyrion is someone who, like, his whole life has just waited for someone to accept him, like a family to actually accept him and to see yeah. his use and shit. And other than Jamie, no one else ever did. So I understand she, his devotion. She gives him the pin and everything yeah. and makes, makes him hand and all that. Yes, but I've always also no, seen him. Again, as, we're doing the heavy lifting, Max. I'm not saying yeah. that they did it. Yeah, also, like, yeah, I've just always seen him as, as more, uh, at least more nuanced than that or, or takes a more nuanced view than that. Like, he's sure. able to see around, you know, the promise of something and see, like, from, yeah, point A to point B, but also to point C and D. Well, this and is now, what I meant by spectacle, not to cut you off, but, and I want yeah. to hear your retort, but it's just like, again, like, that's one thing, right? But, like, Tyrion, we just rewatched this whole series, man. Tyrion, uh, season one, doesn't believe in White Walkers, doesn't believe in giants, certainly doesn't believe in dragons. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. at some point, when a, when a girl has three fucking dragons, Max, you have to just be like, yes, I'm calculated and shit, but I might have to jump on the hype train because, like, yeah. this is some shit that I never thought I would see. This is defying my expectations for what life would be. But to your point, I'm with you. It's not like they ever did enough to ever really solidify why he would still kind of stay loyal to it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I, I mean, I think that the big fucking thing, and it's like something that the show is again putting a spotlight on, like the big fucking problem here is that Daenerys hasn't lived in Westeros until now, really, like she did when she was a child, but she grew up in Essos. Like she grew up in a fucking right. foreign land, exiled. Uh, she doesn't understand this country. She doesn't understand this territory. She doesn't understand the politics and she doesn't understand how human beings worked because she was either treated as like a child slave or as a, a god king, pretty much. Also, um, I, want to, I want to dip my toes into your expertise. I'm not very good at this, but I've been doing, I've followed that wiki that you told me to go to, but yeah. like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I need a whole day to, <laughs> to go there because there's yeah. so much information. But, I, but I, you know, I just want to talk about this very quickly when I was looking at the history of the, of the Southern Realms or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, there's a throwaway line that someone says in the first episode where like, they remember what happened the last time a Targaryen brought dragons here. And I was like, I don't. So let me go look this up. <laughs> I looked it yeah. up and it's interesting and it's weird because I didn't know this. I didn't realize the North was literally its own kingdom, that there was a King Stark at the time and that Targaryen, with the Conqueror, right? They, what they called him, like he came right. in and he ended the sovereign reign of the North. Yeah, uh, he, you know, it which was is literally seven kingdoms that yeah. were united by this fucking Targaryen. And united or burnt to a fucking yeah. crisp, <laughs> you know? right? But either way, it's like I, I thought that was a fascinating thing. And again, it's just like I, I sometimes I marvel at the world. He just put out this book called Fire and Blood, which literally mm-hmm. is a history book of the families. And I kind of want to buy it so bad because yeah. like, this is a history worth bringing into our own, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I, I actually got I got a world of ice and fire, which is kind of a history book too, fake nice. history book written from the point of view of a, a fake maester right. who is serving Robert Baratheon. So it's very pro Baratheon, which yeah. is also a nice touch. <laughs> um, got the propaganda goals yeah, of the Baratheon really family wrote it. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, it's fucking insane like how much detail he continues to add to this series, which is also probably the reason he's never going to finish it is because he's just 
fallen so fucking it could be like a robert ludlam situation i mean that's not a great example but but someone who comes in afterwards that is like is the born identity is certainly not fucking uh westeros right (laughs) but 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 it's someone could come in and actually live in that world like especially if it was a reputable good writer like we don't have any examples of that where like the estate goes and like they they, we just hired neil gaiman to do a fucking game of thrones we we got a we got a Godfather uh, sequel by someone that's, who wasn't. That's Mario what I'm Puzo, saying. Right? Who wasn't Mario yeah. Puzo? That's exactly my point. Godfather Returns, um, yeah. and, and so I'm sitting here just being like, "Well, that that wasn't a writer that I knew and loved." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, it would be amazing if they went out and they got a fucking writer, man, to like go and write yeah. in that world. In the case that he doesn't finish it, but that's neither here nor there. Where were we in this episode, man? Because we were talking uh, we about were, Euron, the big action set piece. And- well, we were also talking about uh, Tyrion and Varys. Like, I don't know if yeah. you want to say anything about Euron. No, 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 fuck it. Before. Let's go to the part um, that I care probably about. Probably worst character in the show. Yeah, sure. anyway. Uh, you know, the, the Varys scene is interesting. I mean, so treason is brought up openly. I will say this. I mean, I, I kind of dug this scene. Again, I don't like Tyrion being a fuckboy in it, but I do like the idea of a return to that. I like that Varys is still the same character he's been. Uh, yeah, ter- this is ter- like the first glimpse we've seen of old Varys in a long time. A very long time. Um, yeah. For his shiftiness, for his secrets, for his conniving ways, he is a man who I do believe, I'll take him at his fucking word, man. The realm is all that matters to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'll sit there and I'll believe that. I, I think that that was a really great scene. I, it's weird to me that, like, this isn't even, like, this has gone so far from, like, we're on Danny's council, we believe in Danny, to, like, we got to kill this bitch. <laughs> like, right. It's crazy how fast this escalated. At the same time, it's like, I don't think Varys is doing it from a point of like, oh, we got to kill this bitch because she's a pro. She's we got to kill her because there's no way she goes quietly into that good night. She'll never just bend the knee to John. Like this will, she'll burn yeah. every motherfucker alive before she does that, Max. Yeah, I mean, like you, you just kind of highlighted the strengths and weaknesses of this scene and season in in a very short amount of time. Um, like, yeah, I liked the scene on its own divorced of context which is something i'm probably going to talk about a lot in my adventures of youtube um (laughs) divorce of context it's pretty great um but if you really put it into the framework of the show it's like what steps did the writers take to get us here where we believe um like or where this happened in a believable way that they would lose faith or that their faith would be so shaken in Daenerys sure um like it wasn't something that was like that seed was planted and set up over the course of many episodes and it's like again we only have six episodes to tell this story and that's kind of the problem if we had four more like I could see this working as a season-long arc or something that even starts in season seven but it doesn't I wish they laid the groundwork a little bit more. And don't fucking come at me saying the Samwell Tarly (laughs) father burning is enough to show that she was good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. Um, Yeah. Danny has her faults. She's impulsive. She doesn't listen to people who she's explicitly made advisors. She Mm -hmm. has problems. But I never pegged her as being some straight evil fucking person. I've never pegged her as, like, this person that everyone would turn against so quickly. The truncated nature has certainly affected the show. Um, I was uh, like, when it got to the end, I was like, oh, wait, there's only two. Like, I keep forgetting it's only six this season, man. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the problem. And I'm like, what well, we're done. We're 66% of the way done, man. And right. Whatever happens has to pretty much get set in stone. I mean, I don't know how this ends. Um, yeah. Like, prediction wise, like, all I'm willing to predict is that the next episode is where most of the 
action is going to take place and the final episode is going to be like a lot of like the, the denouement like the fucking i hope so just honestly i do i don't give a fuck about the spectacle anymore that's the that's the that's the issue i'll say this this is the only thing i want to say before we kind of wrap it up again on the king's roads we have jamie heading mm-hmm. back to king's landing we have the hound we have aria aria took out the night king much to my chagrin any fucking way that they let her take out cersei because in my perfect world i would love for her to get close and i would mm-hmm. love for cersei to murder that bitch because I, I need Arya to die, by the way. I'm sorry. I know she's a great warrior and shit, but like, she's, she's still a great warrior if she dies right now. I just want to throw that out there. She took out the Night King. She killed a fucking zombie Ice King. So uh, I, I think that if we get robbed of the Jamie Lannister ending, it's going to severely, like, as, even though this show's already fucking a, a shadow of what it once was, if they don't deliver on the Clegane Bowl, and the fucking Jamie Lannister of it all. I'm going to be pretty pissed off. Man. Well, see, I've never been a huge Clegane Bowl guy, especially since the mountain is a fucking zombie now. Sure. Um, and, and that's really why. Like, yeah, the Hound deserves that closure. But at the same time, like, the person he's fighting isn't his brother anymore. It's a fucking undead zombie. So it's right. going to ring a little false to me either way, like, however that shakes out. Um, I'm curious to see how they do it. It wouldn't Maybe be a Clegane wrong. Bowl proper. That's the, honestly, yeah. it would have to be an adaptation of that. But I still think it's like it's not like the Mountain was ever a character. He was never introduced with any nuance other than being a ruthless piece of shit. So it's not like that needs to have emotional weight on both sides. It don't. It almost exclusively needs to honor the Hound's arc. And yeah. so, like, that's why I'm, I'm still kind of hoping for it. I hope it's like. Yeah. But but again, like to counter that a little bit, like the Mountain and the Viper worked so well because we get like the acknowledgement from the mountain that he remembers what he did to the Viper um, and his family. Like he remembers it. And then he fucking crushes the guy's skull with his bare hands. Um, And this, like, I don't think that this zombie thing is even able to talk anymore, but I could be wrong. I don't know. We'll we'll see. (laughs) I get, I get what you're saying. Like on the hounds level, like, yeah, that, that might be enough to just kill the fucking shell of the person that his brother was. Um, for Jamie, I actually heard a really fucked up theory in the show. Like it'd be metal if they did it, but I, I heard a theory that Jamie's going to die and then Arya is going to wear his face, his face to kill yeah, Cersei, I've heard it. which would I've heard be it. actually kind of metal, but it would also suck because then Arya will have killed both the Night King and Cersei. And at that point it's like, what the hell? Well, cause it's not the show you signed up for. That's yeah. the point. Like, I'm not even being shitty. It's not the show that you signed up for, nor is it the show that it was at the halfway point of the show. <laughs> like, that's the fucking... Or even after season six, man, there was nothing yeah. indicating that she would end up being the, 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 the giant killer, so to speak. I could see Jamie actually um, succumbing to his sister or dying and that being some sort of unexpected twist, just like setting him up as some sort of tragic figure that can't quit his sister even though he knows what she is like he even like sets this up in this episode where he's like I'm not a good man I, I did this and I did this and I did this and I know what she is but that's what I am too um I I could see that happening just as like to but I don't know again I don't want to make predictions anymore well we are two episodes out man uh we only have two more of these we have an out what two hours and 45 minutes or something left of Game of Thrones and and for yeah. better or for worse, I just want to say this, man. Like, I, I, I've been really critical of the show, specifically this season and last season. Uh, but those first four seasons, man, and even moments in five and six, like, they gave us some of the most joy I've had watching a TV show in a very long time. And, yeah. Uh, and I know we shrug off the spectacle of it, and that isn't all entertainment is, but for a television show to have this level of production value would have been unheard of 10 years ago. Right. 
And now the fact that it is making episodes like even as shitty as the third episode was, the fact that a television show is able to do that um, on that level and that scale is It advances is kind the of medium that we love more than anything. Yeah, it basically um, tells us that television and film, like it blurs the line to the point that it doesn't matter. And I would say this, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you. I think I adore film. I know that that is the thing we first fell in love with, but I think television is the thing that is, that's my, my the mistress I can't quit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the writer's format. And when we've seen some masterful writers, when we've seen Matthew Weiner or uh, David Simon or Vince Gilligan, when they get to write their novels in TV form, it's some of the most exhilarating shit we've ever seen in our lives. It's a little disappointing Game of Thrones won't be added to that, but I don't think that takes away from its legacy. I think that for a while, this was probably undoubtedly the best thing on TV. I mean, here's the thing, um, and I know we do need to wrap this up, but like you look at a show like The Simpsons, and it's always going to be one of the best shows ever made, even though two-thirds of it is kind of hot garbage like that first third is enough to put it in the pantheon and i still think that the first four seasons of this show might be enough to put it somewhere close to it um no matter what the back half of it did that's about as close as we'll get to a happy ending on this show you and me agreeing that like it wasn't all bad remember the good times (laughs) that's that's what we have and and i do want to say that i think it's been like this amazing thing and we're looking at the back half of something that's been around for the last decade of my life i'm weird like this i remember when the office ended i got really emotional about that because the office Mm -hmm. was a big deal to me um, it taught me a lot about comedy. It's something you and I watched together. It was something we really fell in love with, and we we informed our version of comedy in the way that you and I informed our version of comedy with The Simpsons. Yeah. So like you know, I measure time through the shows that I love. Uh, this is one that's going to end, and I'm going to be really emotional about it. And uh, I think at this point, it's really like I said earlier in the show. I'm really happy that the Band-Aid was ripped off with Battle of Winterfell. Now I can just try to enjoy it as much as I as I possibly can, man. And yeah, yes, uh, I'm looking forward to the last two no matter what. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it being done so I can move on with my life. I say that every <laughs> review. That's my new catchphrase. Um, real quick, before yeah. we wrap this up, wrap uh, final thoughts and rating for this episode, sir. Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, weighted on the seasons five, six, seven scale. Uh, I, probably like a seven, probably like a solid seven. I mean, it did a lot of things, man. It gave you a couple character moments. It gave you the action spectacle, even if it's out of nowhere. Um, and they give you that kind of for, for two seconds, there's vintage game of Thrones in there with people talking in a room and I think that's a solid episode, man. Yeah. I'd give it like a six, maybe a five or a six, but I'm not mad about it. I didn't hate it. I wasn't mad while I watched it, but I'm also didn't feel anything either. So sort of right in the middle. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you're, you're like, this is a positive review. It's a five. Fuck me. All right, man. Well, with that, listen, again, we teased it at the top of the show. We have a bunch of content coming out. We're going to do a double feature of uh, a movie I picked, Once Upon a Time in the West, and a movie Max picked. I'm going to get it right here. The Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, it's, a, it's a fucking great movie. And if you haven't seen them, that's okay. We kind of go over through the plot, but we go through critical analysis. We encourage you to watch those things. We have a bunch of more content, a bunch more content coming out for you later in the week. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We'll also be back next week with uh, episode five of season eight of Game of Thrones. See you.